What does it mean to live a cultivated life? To cultivate means to nurture and grow. It also means to try to develop a skill, sentiment, or quality. Losing my daughter, Aria, taught me that life is short, that none of us knows when our days will come to an end. How do you want to live your life? Who are the people that matter to you? Living with intention and purpose while navigating grief and loss is what the Cultivated Family Podcast is all about. I realized how important compassion for myself was in grief and how important compassion is for other people in their lives. What I want to offer is a message of hope, compassion, and love. You are not alone, my friend, so let's dive in. Hey, how are you? How are you doing today? I am really excited to do this episode. It's going to be an exciting one, so we'll dive in in a second. But I am Megan Hillica, and I host this podcast, The Cultivated Family Podcast. This is episode number 27. And before we dive in, I would appreciate if you could leave a review for this podcast or share it with a friend. If you feel like it's been helpful, let other people know who could benefit from it. And as always, I love, love, love when you reach out to me and communicate with me because sometimes talking into this microphone (laughs) makes me feel like I'm, you know, not talking to anybody but myself. So I really love to hear back from you if you appreciate it and like it and any feedback you might have. So today I wanted to dive into um, the narrative as a society that we have of grief and how I view grief and how grief can really be a gift. So how many times have you said to yourself or have other people said, and I've said it so many times too, um, grief is hard, that we need to fight this grief, we need to fight it and and hide it, and grief is evil and horrible. Um, We tend to think of grief as the evil or bad person. And then, you know, when somebody's grieving, some advice somebody might give a grieving person is like, okay, you need to stay strong, or keep busy, keep moving, don't think, don't think about it. And I mean, we might say that to ourselves too. You might be telling yourself that too, that you need to be strong, for whatever reason, for somebody else, for yourself. And I get it. Like grief is painful. It feels painful. It feels foreign. All these emotions are so foreign with grief. They're so intensified and they're they're incredibly painful. And it feels like if you allow yourself to grieve or allow yourself to feel the emotions, you might go over the cliff or down into the deep hole and you're never gonna come back like once you lose yourself in your grief that that's the end like you're done there's no more and it also feels like life shouldn't hurt so bad like it shouldn't be this way we shouldn't be feeling this we shouldn't feel grief it shouldn't be so painful so what does the this phrase that I need to be strong or you need to be strong what does this mean in general, this means that we should, you know, not feel our feelings, to hide our pain, to pick ourselves back up, to like, you know, ignore any of the emotions that are coming up or ignore our experience of pain. Be like, no, I, I, I'm strong. I got this. I'm going to get over it. I'll move on. I'll get, you know, and that is super, super harmful with grief. And so I want to like reframe it a little bit that in my mind, strong 
And being strong is allowing yourself to feel those emotions. It takes so much strength to sit with that pain because it's painful. And of course, we run away from pain as humans. We, we don't want to feel the pain. But when you do allow yourself to feel the pain, I think that is when, it's, when you have so much strength. And if you are, you know, like needing to be strong for your kids, so you can't, like say your kids are crying or sad about um, the person in your life that's gone and you feel like you need to be strong for them and then you go in your room and cry by yourself, is that teaching your kids what it means to grieve? Is that teaching your kids what it means to be okay with being sad? You might tell them that it's okay to be sad. You might be like hugging them and reassuring them, but you're not crying in front of them and you're not showing them that this is what it means to grieve and that it's okay, it's okay to cry. And it's something we, I'm not saying you're bad or wrong for for not doing that, but it's something that is something to think about is are you showing your kids how to grieve, you know, which is a difficult thing because I think none of us actually know how to grieve, especially when it's our first time because it's so foreign and painful. And then like keeping busy, what's the purpose behind it? What's, why, why would we keep busy? And it really is so then you don't you know, get caught up in your grief. So you don't think about things that make you feel sad. So you don't think about painful things that come up and then they, you know, so-called ruin your day because you're so sad. It, it really just comes down to that. Um, not, not allowing yourself to feel your pain and your emotions. And it's something that I think is so important to talk about. And then even don't think like, why, why not think? Because it's going to make you emotional or what? Like, We just stuff these things down so hard, so much, and then we say grief is bad because it ruins our life. It ruins us. And all these things like keeping busy and trying to not think, you know, in many different things like numbing, things like um, exercising or where you can over-exercise or like I kept really busy right away after Aria died. And it could be helpful. It could be helpful for a time. And it could it could feel good for a while, but it's not a long-term coping mechanism with grief. Like running, it, that's where you're on like a hamster wheel of trying to run from your grief and trying to outrun your grief. And so if grief is the bad person in the room that needs to be fought, does everyone believe that's true? Do do all the people around you, maybe the people who have learned how to live with grief and acknowledge grief in their life, do they? Do you think they believe that grief is the bad person in the room and needs to be fought? Um, for <laughs> I feel like I'm a, an example of that I've learned to carry my grief and integrate it into my life, where grief ebbs and flows in my life, and I can I I can embrace it. And I can tell you the one thing I have not done is fought my grief. I have sat with my grief and allowed it to be there and paid attention to it. So when we pay attention to our grief and our thoughts and we slow down and learn how to sit with ourselves, 
that's when we can actually be aware of what's going on. And I really, truly believe that the only way we can begin to mesh our lives with grief is to learn how to feel our emotions, to like allow ourselves to process and release those emotions through our body, with our body, to work it out, to be able to, when that grief comes, allow it to flow through. So I just want to ask, like, what if grief is a gift? I know it seems really counterintuitive, but what if grief is a gift? What if God has given us grief as a way to say goodbye, to remember our love for them, to kind of force us to feel our emotions, to force us to sit and slow down and pay attention to what's going on? And we live in a society where we race and we rush and ignore our feelings. And grief is just not going to be ignored. We treat grief like a disease that needs to get rid of immediately. We're immediately trying to, okay, how can I get rid of this the fastest? What can I do to be done with this? And then we also treat grief like a monster that that should be hidden and shoved under a mask. I couldn't, can't tell you how many people who are grieving who are grieving by themselves underneath a mask because um, maybe your grief feels too much for other people. Maybe everyone else feels like you've moved on. Everyone else thinks you've moved on. Everyone else, like all these expectations from other people makes you feel like you can't show your true feelings about grief. And when we try to run away and numb, ignore, hide our grief, it it's really patient. Grief will wait patiently for us to come and tend it. I've learned that my grief needs to be cared for and it's not going to take no. It's not going to take no for an answer. When I try to ignore my grief, it's like shoving a big, huge, giant beach ball and you're trying to hold it under the water and you're shoving it under there, shoving it under there, and it's utterly exhausting. And the longer I fight, my grief, the more tired I get. And so then when I get too tired to hold the ball under the water, it explodes out and hurts people in ways that I wasn't meaning to or that I didn't want to. And so all this grief um, work or allowing ourselves to grieve and sit with our emotions, it can all come about in different ways. So that's why the saying everyone grieves differently is there. I want to do a bigger episode on this phrase that everyone grieves differently because I I really believe that everyone does and can grieve differently, that it's important to reach for the things that help you and reach for the things that, you know, or let go of the things that don't. But I think this phrase can really um, be an excuse, like to, well, I'm here because everyone grieves differently. And and it's an excuse to not do the work. And you know what? If if you want to choose that, that's fine. And I I support you in what you want to choose. But I just want to bring to light that it's, it's really an excuse. And what I think means by everyone grieves differently is that we can all use different methods. Like, you know, maybe you don't, you don't like journaling, maybe you do like journaling, maybe you like exercising, maybe you don't. There's so many different avenues for for expressing your grief and allowing your grief to come out rather than like 
saying, well, everyone grieves differently, so it's okay for me to drink away my pain. Um, everyone grieves differently, so it's okay for me to um, treat everyone else in my life horribly. And everyone grieves differently, so it's fine for me to feel like, you know, I haven't taken any steps forward in my life, you know, 30 years down the road, which if that's happened to you, then you can always start taking steps again. But you could either take steps or you can stay there. And that is your choice. But let's not use this phrase, everyone agrees differently, because that is a choice for you to stay there. So it's it's really a victim mentality versus like empowering, being able to take steps in your grief and knowing that you can feel your emotions. So <laughs> I want to dive into that in another episode, but I guess I got kind of excited about that topic. So when we talk about numbing grief, it really doesn't make it better. And that's something that when we think of grief as a bad thing that we want to get rid of and be done with, we want to numb it. We want to not feel it. We want to hide it. So things of numbing are like scrolling Facebook and Instagram when you just don't want to feel or think anything. Um, Keeping busy, medications, drugs, alcohol, shopping, eating. There's so many ways where we fuel our emotions into something that make us feel better, that um, is really not dealing with the problem or dealing with the the pain, I shouldn't say the problem, but it's not really dealing with the pain or the emotions, but the the thing or substance or whatever we're using to numb gives us that feeling of feeling better for a moment, but it's not long-term. There's a quote by Brene Brown that I superly love. She, she does such amazing work. And this is the quote. You can't numb those hard feelings without numbing the other effects, our emotions. You cannot selectively numb. So when we numb those, we numb joy, we numb gratitude, we numb happiness, and then we are miserable and we are looking for a purpose and meaning. And then we feel vulnerable. So then we have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin and it becomes this dangerous cycle. So it's really this, the more we numb, the more we we lean into these coping mechanisms that are not long-term and it just it gets more and more that you become addicted to these things because you can't face your emotions because grief is bad or emotions are bad or pain is bad and so if we can if we can talk about grief and like wonder if grief is really a gift if grief is really something that we could care for and tend to and love and love ourselves and sit with our grief. And when it comes to visit, like it feels so easy to say like, oh, well, I just got knocked down for a week and that was just horrible. Like I shouldn't be that way. But you know what? It's okay if it, if, you know, we're not going to have good days all the time. And so when those bad days come, like, it's okay. Why do you need to have a good day that day? It doesn't feel very good, I know. But if we can sit with that, we can feel the pain, and then we can also feel the joy. And so every time I have felt grief building, I feel like there's like a, you can feel feel it building where you feel like you need to release and 
it's kind of, it feels like a ticking time bomb, kind of like, okay, when is this going to happen? And I learned that I can kind of trigger my grief to release if I like found something that brought me pain. So like, or that made me cry. So for me, um, going through Aria's clothes has always been something that I can go hold her clothes. And I have many times actually, especially in the first year after she died, I would get a babysitter and I would go home and I would just be by myself and sit with her clothes and just cry and cry and cry. And I sobbed until I couldn't cry anymore. And after I've yelled and screamed so hard that it felt like my heart was going to come out of my chest. After I did all that, like screaming, yelling, punching, crying and crying where it hurts so, so bad, like literally the pain feels makes you feel like you're going to die. I After I did all that, I felt my grief lighten. I felt the release. And it seemed that every time I allowed myself to express and release my emotions, um, the pain physically got lighter. Every single time I have faced my grief head on and allowed it to come, that is when I've been able to stand up for another day. When grief came into my life, I felt broken and stuck. And I often wondered if I was doing this whole grieving thing right. I was on a journey to get rid of my grief, to be done with it. And little did I know that grief is a part of my life now. And that to begin healing, I really needed to mesh my life and my grief together. That grief is this invisible person that has come to walk by my side the rest of my life, and I cannot get rid of it. So how do you mesh grief together with your life? How do you know if you are taking steps forward in your grief? This is what I help you with in grief coaching. I help you create space and awareness around your grief so you can learn to have happiness, joy, contentment, and be excited about your future. Your story is not over. I truly believe that. Your loss is a part of your story, but you have so much life left to live. If you want to do the work and you are committed to working through your grief, I am here to help you and I truly, truly believe in you. To schedule a free 30-minute call with me, you can go to www.meganhillica.com slash griefcoaching. That's www.meganhillica.com slash griefcoaching. So, <laughs> I've learned that grief is a gift. And when I tend to it, it's very, very healing. I Every single time I felt pain, every single time I felt tears or screamed or like did grief work, like meditations, journaling, punching, whatever, running, I felt like, okay, I'm taking one step closer to feeling more comfortable with my grief. Every single time it felt like it was healing work, even though it was so painful, that when I take the time to sit with my grief and pain and when I take the time to notice how grief feels in my body and acknowledge it, it seems to lessen and it flows through me. And I, I feel like it's like a, like grief flows in and out. And if you, if you allow it to flow through your body, like, like a wind in the reed, then it's not so much a fight, but it's more of a relaxing into grief. And really there's that quote that I've seen a lot that grief is really just love with no place to go. And 
the grief that I have is because I have had to say goodbye to my daughter, Aria. And so now my grief is a reminder to me that I had a daughter named Aria that I do. She's just not here anymore. And she was real. It kind of seems like sometimes you like, did that really happen to me? Am I going crazy? And then my grief comes. I'm like, yep, this was real. And that she was and is very loved. And Aria taught me so many things. And I'm so thankful that I was able to be her mom. And grief reminds me of this when it comes and it goes. And as time has gone on, I welcome grief in now. I welcome it with open arms because my grief is all the love that I have for Aria. And I really don't want to let go of it. I really don't want to forget her. And I I just really feel like my grief is a reminder to me of what's important in my life. And yeah, I've gotten really comfortable with my grief. And I want to quick talk about when I was saying earlier about, you know, going over the cliff, like if you feel like you let you go yourself go over the cliff or that into the dark hole of grief that you're just going to lose yourself. I feel like some of that's true, like you will lose yourself because you become a different person, that who you are or were is gone. But there is a bottom to that pit. If you're imagining like going into a dark hole, there's a bottom and it's just, it's just a bottom and you go down there and you feel all the feelings, you work through the grief, work through your grief, learn how to feel it and process it and let it be a part of your, you and your life. And you come out of the pit. So I don't want you to be scared that you'll lose yourself. I, I shouldn't say I don't want you to because it's just, it's very real. But it's just something that you you don't need to be afraid of. It's just something you can work towards and through. And that's, I think you have to go into the pit in order to begin healing. So that's all I have today for what I believe that grief is is really a gift to all of us. That it's a reminder of love and we don't need to fight so hard to keep grief out of our life. Grief changes you in so many ways. And it's really important to acknowledge that and embrace it. And so I have a free mini course that I want to offer to you. It is called Who Am I? So it's a, a course that dives into who you were before grief, who you are now, and then who you would like to be in the future. We do different things like visualizations and emotional freedom technique and um, guided meditations or no affirmations. And um, so if you want to dive into that, you can go to www.meganhillica.com slash who am I. It's totally free. Um, something that I, I hope you can use and enjoy and learn from and help you really my goal is to support you in any way I can with your grief and grief journey and knowing that you're not alone so again if you have enjoyed this podcast share it with someone else I really appreciate you every single time you listen I I acknowledge you and I appreciate you being here it means so much to me and I will see you next week take care thanks for joining me on another episode of the cultivated family podcast 
While this episode is over, you can continue to join me in conversation on Instagram or Facebook at Cultivated Family. I would love to see you there.